this is Paul Puey from Edge, and you're listening to Milk on Coinspice. You're listening to Milk, Soothing Crypto's Burn, with host C. Edward Kelso from Coinspice.io. Your home for just spicy crypto things online. really going on crypto sandwiches that's right i called you a sandwich this is your host c edward kelso editor-in-chief out at coinspice.io back with another episode of milk soothing crypto's burn this time around i snagged ivy league university professor at cornell none other than computer scientist emin gunsir he is a terrific guest to have and if you're not familiar with him, I think you're, you'll find out, you know, why I sing his praises so so highly. Uh, he's a fantastic thinker. He's able to combine philosophy with history, and more importantly, the technical aspects of the space, and deliver them as really few can. He's sort of singular in in that regard, and he's taken the more controversial position, at least uh, on our side of things, of of really kind of pushing the, the proof-of-stake idea, and if you're unfamiliar as to why that's important, again, we, we get into it. Right up front, <clears throat> I have to tell you I'm a proof-of-work uh, partisan. Uh, I am uh, have a superstitious reverence, as it turns out, for proof-of-work, but if anybody has made me kind of walk back a little bit from my more strident position there, it is Professor Searer, and not for the environmental stuff, which he jokes with me about, but also... He, he, he comes at it from an economic point of view that I think um, you're, you're going to find interesting or at least, you know, make you step back for a second. In any case, he is <clears throat> someone that I've been dying to get on the show. I tried not to fanboy out too much, but it's kind of hard not to. Uh, we get into just about every subject you can think of uh, from those proof of work versus proof of stake, uh, avalanche, uh, uh, consensus mechanisms, um, we get into the philosophy, the history of the space, a little bit about his personal life. Uh, we also, of course, talk about the Bitcoin Cash uh, hard fork back in November and lessons cleaned from that. And we look forward to the Ethereum uh, thirdening, as it were, uh, that is coming up, sets it to happen. So uh, we cover it all. Um, he is, again, a terrific guest. I think you're going to love the episode. Sit back, pour yourself a cold glass of almond milk if you're a vegan, if you're into that. It's absolutely fine. Uh, get that spicy sandwich ready because uh, Professor Surer is going to bring the spice. All right, guys, here is Professor Emin Gun Surer. Uh, I'm trying not to fanboy out here. Um, I'm a very, very, very big admirer. Um, been wanting you on the show for a long time, so <clears throat> I really appreciate you. You taking the time? I, I know you're a busy guy. Um, let's get uh, let's get right into it. Um, there's I have I'm I'm looking at my my yellow notepad here uh, in preparing because I'm because I'm a podcast professional. Uh, I'm uh, uh, preparing for for our talk today. I, I have three pages of notes, okay. and it's it's of anything. It's it's you know where to start with you, and I think uh, probably we, we can start from your most uh, or I guess. I should say your your latest project, uh, which is Avalanche, and um, you know your your continued meditation on consensus protocols and what that means, 
And uh, I think now it's, it's, it's no longer theory. You're actually, you know, you're actually doing it. Absolutely. And we're very, very excited. And uh, maybe, um, you know, since we started with Avalanche, let me maybe give your uh, audience a, a brief overview of consensus protocols. Please. So uh, consensus lies at the heart of every cryptocurrency. I think everybody realizes that the whole process of keeping track of uh, who has how much money essentially relies on everybody having the same accounting. If you and I disagree on who, how much we have, then suddenly we have uh, we have a system that's worthless. It's it's essential that everybody achieve the same result when um, looking at, uh, at at essentially balances. So uh, every every coin has its own mechanism for for achieving consensus. And um, roughly speaking, I mean this is not a new problem. Uh, we've had the consensus problem with us maybe for 40 years. It was first identified 40 years ago. Uh, got a fancy. Uh, uh, name in the shape of uh, the Byzantine generals problem. You want all the Byzantine generals to agree to attack or to not attack, uh, but not to do something in the middle. If they, if they do something piecemeal, then they get they get decimated. Mm -hmm. So uh, is is that the the, the MIT paper that I, I hear you often cite, uh, uh, Barbara Listov and, and and those fellows? Um, it's related. Barbara Liskov certainly worked on the consensus problem, uh, but this, uh, this formulation of the problem, uh, one of the earliest, uh, came from uh, Leslie Lamport. So okay. um, uh, he was not at MIT at the time. Uh, and in fact, he never was at MIT as far as I remember. Um, so uh, uh, let's see. Um, so the Byzantine generals problem lies at the heart of this. And for many, many decades, the distributed systems research community had one kind of solution to, uh, to how to keep machines in consensus. So I'm going to call that uh, the classical consensus approach. So what you do is you, 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 know, you have a small number of nodes and you keep them in sync by, by having them vote and they cross-check each other's votes because you don't want people lying to you about uh, one vote and saying something to me one way and to you some other way mm -hmm. and confusing everybody's accounting. So, but these systems fundamentally rely on all of us agreeing on who's in the room. They're very, very fragile. So uh, starting from this base, it would have been very difficult to build a robust currency system. So that's why prior to Satoshi's arrival on the scene, these approaches did not lend themselves to a good solution for building public open cryptocurrencies. The moment you, you and I know everybody, then it's a closed room, right? So we have to know everybody, and that means there's prior agreement. Uh, there is a permission mm. step involved in who gets to be in that room to make those decisions. So, um, so that was the state of affairs uh, prior to Satoshi's arrival. And uh, just about the thousands of papers in the entire space um, can be classified into the, just this one model of, of people voting on things. And then there is a decision made when there is a threshold of voters. So that's one approach to consensus. Mm -hmm. That approach is still used today for, um, you know, uh, for permission ledgers, like Interledger, like uh, just you name it, uh, you know, their quorum from uh, formerly JP Morgan. Mm -hmm. All of those systems are using this basic mechanism. It's the fine mechanism, but it's very fragile. And it doesn't scale to large numbers of users. It, it requires this permission. So uh, okay. what happens next? So in 2009, uh, the second big thing happened. The very first big thing was the formulation of the problem, was this approach for many decades. It kept us going. The second big thing in the space was in 2009, Satoshi comes in and says, look, you guys are doing this all wrong. I have a very different mechanism for achieving consensus. And um, for the really wonky people in the audience, it differs from classical consensus in that it's probabilistic. 
And it differs from, from uh, classical consensus also in the sense that it is not, um, it's, it's based on essentially a random lottery and, uh, and it's using this, this what we call the proof of work mechanism. Right. So, um, so I'm not going to belabor this point. I think everybody is familiar by now with how Bitcoin and similar currencies work. And, uh, and it's perfectly fine. It's a great idea, except of course, it has a whole bunch of downsides uh, associated with it. All of these proof of work currencies um, are, uh, uh, they're very robust. We have to be fair to them. They're, they're open. The world got to, right. got to taste firsthand like how, how cool this thing can be if implemented in a practical uh, fashion. So it's, it's wonderful in every way, except of course, there's this constant leakage of value from the ecosystem. You have to uh, incentivize these miners. You do that by giving them rewards and da 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 da. There's like all this electricity being wasted in this this never-ending mining game. The mining game is a very difficult one. It's, it's necessarily one where the, there's a dive to the bottom where the profits go to zero through competition among miners. It's just, it's a, it's a system that, that uh, technically, it's, it's not good for the environment. It's not good for the ecosystem itself. It divides the users into classes. There are miners and now there are users and they don't always have the same desires for the currency as we saw in the case of Bitcoin's evolution. Mm -hmm. um, and I can go on and on. And these, these, I'm sorry, just just to just interrupt and in a point well I remember you making a long time ago uh is that it's also it's 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 not the the dream of decentralization um under this regime is from from the papers I've seen uh you're you being associated with and ones that you've presented uh is is kind of dying right so it's 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 it actually is centralizing in in ways that maybe we we didn't imagine Oh, absolutely. We've seen this happen in Bitcoin's history a few times, actually. Um, the totality of mining uh, ends up uh, getting uh, centralized at, at these uh, mining uh, pool operators' hands. So all of, uh, all of Bitcoin Core's uh, mining, for example, is in the hands of 19 mining pool operators. So that's a tiny number, right? We all make fun of EOS for being a centralized <laughs> coin. Right. EOS has 21 block producers. 21, right. Right. So, uh, so here we are with in, in, in Bitcoin Core with, with 19 and, um, and it's, you know, so, the, you know, the Bitcoin Core proponents are going to come back and they'll be like, well, how dare you say that those mining pools, they consist of many, many little miners. For one, I don't know that they do. Uh, there's always economies of scale and, and it's just inherent that, uh, uh, that, that some people are much better at procuring cheap electricity than others. Much, much, much better. And, um, mm -hmm. and some people are very good at collecting and buying these, these uh, mining rigs. So they tend to have the upper hand. It's just typically these things follow a power law. And there's, there, uh, there, there are some miners out there with, uh, with, with large numbers of rigs, and they do the bulk of the work. And, and, and uh, a lot of people I will hear even now within our space, now mostly it's the general public uh, granted, but within our space will say that, Miners validate the transactions that, that, that I'm sorry, that uh, they, they, they kind of do this thing where you're thinking the machines or the rigs are doing the validations, that they're touching somehow the transactions, and you have pointed out that that's not the case. Absolutely not. That's, that's exactly right. So the, the lay public thinks that these machines are doing something useful. They're not. They're only there to compete against other miners. So take a coin, like let's do a, a, what uh, Einstein used to call a Gedanken experiment, a thought experiment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
take any coin, say take Bitcoin Cash, and uh, it has some set of miners, okay, and they're spending a lot, a lot of money on electricity, and, uh, and they're mining. All of those rigs are essentially just vying for the, that, that crucial crypto uh, puzzle solution that allows the miner to collect their reward. That's all they do. Kind of and like they are there. I'm sorry, go, go ahead. And they are there just, just to, uh, to, to reap that reward before other people can. But if you could actually get those miners to agree with each other, to back down momentarily, I'm not suggesting they do this, but this is a thought experiment. Um, so instead of all of us spending, let's say, you know, tens of megawatts, uh, you know, I spend 10 megawatts and you spend 10 megawatts and somebody else spends another 10. If we all could back down in proportion, then suddenly uh, we'd be able to still mine at the same rate with the same security, except uh, we do it at a fraction of the cost. It's the fact that we can't do that, and it's the fact that uh, we want to, to keep the coin free from attacks by outsiders that keep everybody playing this game, that, that we have to constantly uh, run, you know, essentially what the miners are doing, they're running in place faster and faster, but they're not going anywhere. The rate at which you can mint transactions is fixed by the protocol. It's, uh, it's every 10 minutes. Yeah. Block size is part of the protocol definition, as we know all too well. And, uh, and so the rate at which you can generate transactions has nothing to do with the amount of hash power you throw at it. All of that hash power just wastes electricity. The money goes to power companies and, um, and ultimately it ends up heating up the, the, the planet, ends up melting the, the polar ice caps. And, you know, some people don't care about the polar ice caps <laughs> and, the, and the polar bears. I mean, I do. But, uh, but if you don't care about those things, then, then keep in mind that the money is leaving the ecosystem. Right. That you can't really store value if you're constantly paying bills. And these people, the, the mining, mining rig operators, they, they just, you know, they go out of business routinely. It's a tough business to be in because uh, it's a, it's a comp very competitive one. So um, you, you call that, you call that leakage. And, and I found that, um, you know, we, again, my, my tribe here kind of leans more to the ANCAP side. So the environmental argument doesn't, work as much, I guess, with quote-unquote normal people <laughs> with, with, <laughs> as it would with normal people. But with my guys, the, my, my cranky guys here, including myself, uh, but mm -hmm. I think the leakage, the, the economic argument is, uh, is, 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 is really compelling. I think so. I think so. I, I, you know, if, if like the Bitcoin core people, for example, they, they keep pushing their coin as if it's a store of value. Right. Um, I've always been against that entire narrative. It misleads the public. Uh, it's, it's not correct uh, in any sense of the, of the scientific uh, truth. Um, but um, to even aspire to be a store of value, you can't have constant leakage, right? So uh, if you have a system built on this constant game of uh, minting coins and, and, uh, and, and constantly burning electricity, you can't possibly keep the, that, that value in your ecosystem. You're bound to, to, uh, to crash if you're paying millions of dollars uh, to miners and the miners then instead, uh, in, in turn have uh, power bills to pay. And again, on, on the ANCAP side of things, which again is not where you're coming from, and this is why I, I think you're such a, a valuable thinker in our space, is on the ANCAP side, you know, love it or hate it, governments are largely in control of power supply. So here we are, the supposed ANCAP, you know, we're all rugged individualists, all going to do our own thing, and we're handing over, you know, all of our dough to governments, essentially. So that's another <laughs> argument that I guess I can make. 
but go ahead. That, that's true. That's true. And also, it's important to actually characterize where I'm coming from. I've been I've been struggling struggling with this, Ed. And uh, uh, you know, I'm not an ANCAP. Um, sure. But it's kind of odd, like how this political world kind of wraps around. So you can go in another direction, and you can find yourself essentially sharing a lot of views uh, that are identical to people who went off in another direction. They wrapped around the globe and met at the same point. <laughs> so I very much, very much dislike governmental control of resources. I very much dislike any system that is uh, open to, um, to being taken over. Um, I very much dislike centralized systems or systems that are uh, regulated uh, and prone to capture and regulatory capture, that is. So we've seen this again and again, everybody who's ever been to a bank, uh, everybody who's ever you know, had to call it an 800 number and has been told something like, I'm sorry, sir, that's just not our policy. You know, these right. kinds of things drive me nuts. And so um, part of uh, what happened to me in my professional career is at some point I rebelled against this and decided, look, we gotta decentralize. The web as we know it is uh, in the hands of just a few players. These players might start out really nicely, uh, as we saw in the case of, you know, a lot of my friends work at Google, and it started out with a very lofty motto. Um, and then suddenly they turn into these behemoths that uh, work against the people that they're supposed to serve. So, um, so yeah, so I'm, I wouldn't classify myself as an ANCAP, but, uh, but I very much, very much dislike any centralized system, uh, any centralized control. We've seen again and again, I've certainly seen in places where I've lived, where I grew up, uh, that uh, governments in charge of uh, making co economic decisions often end up being uh, uh, not serving the public they're supposed to serve. Anyway, I dig digress. But no, no, I, 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 I love the digression, and, and we'll definitely get back to, uh, to your working towards Avalanche because uh, that's a huge, huge, huge issue uh, for the ecosystem here. Um, you grew up, uh, from, from what I'm able to understand, you're, you're Turkish, is, is that correct? Yeah, I grew up in Istanbul, Turkey. Well, you know, now we have to call it Constantinople, right? Because <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you know how the song goes. It's, uh, it used to be Constantinople, but there you uh, go. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so uh, you you grew up in Turkey. When when did you or how did you find your way to the United States? Um, so I went to. So my story is fairly simple. I. I, I was growing up, I was 11 years old, and uh, we all had to take a, a big exam. Um, I, I took that exam. Uh, if you were in the top 110, you got to go to a, a, a high, uh, an American high school. So I went to an American middle school and high school. And um, after that, I uh, got a very nice scholarship from Princeton. So I went to, uh, to school at Princeton, New Jersey. And uh, then after that, I did my PhD in computer science and then became a professor at uh, Cornell University. Wow. Wow. Um, okay. Well, I just I wanted to make sure we, we weave that in there somehow, but uh, let's, let's get back to brass tacks. So we're talking about the, the, the evolution of consensus protocols. Um, I kind of pushed you out there on some of the issues uh, uh, regarding mining and so on. Uh, but we're eventually leading to what would come down to be problems that with proof of work, <clears throat> with, with, you know, the, the reliance on mining rigs, um, these sorts of things, you don't have to be, you know, uh, an environmentalist or, you know, of this camp or that camp to kind of logically see, to th think through the problem as, as a scientist would. And, and that's where um, uh, you will pick back up, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So, as I was saying, there, there have been, uh, to date, there were only two approaches to the consensus problem. The classical approach, 
and then the Nakamoto approach. And uh, the Nakamoto approach has this nice property that it's robust, but it suffers from uh, a number of issues. We touched upon the mining and its impact uh, and the, 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 the leakage it costs, uh, it leads to. But also um, there is a scalability issue. The, uh, the coin can only clear so many transactions per second. And, um, uh, and so, so that's a problem. And of course there's a latency issue. For, for you to get a single confirmation, you have to wait for uh, at least 10 minutes in the case of Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. So, um, so these are all issues we'd love to fix them if we could. And, uh, and so uh, as of last May, uh, in May 2018, uh, there came a new paper. It's, and it introduced a new family of consensus protocols. This family is known as Avalanche, and it works entirely differently from all the other families that came before it. There are only two other families that came before it, but it works entirely differently from classical and works entirely differently from Nakamoto. And uh, the big difference in essence is it's, it's somewhat like Nakamoto in the sense that it's probabilistic, um, but it doesn't have the built-in um, built-in uh, performance limit. It has much lower latency. It can clear tens of thousands of transactions per second, and it can give you a confirmation in less than two seconds. Mm. And, um, and it admits large numbers of participants. You can have tens of thousands of participants in this game, uh, all making decisions on, on transactions. You can participate in the Avalanche protocol with essentially something like a cell phone and uh, uh, and, and help secure the network yourself uh, firsthand without having to own any mining rigs. So um, it's a fascinating protocol in the way it works. Um, I didn't think it was going to be possible to have a, a system like this. Um, just me and almost everybody else uh, working on this space um, has typically thought of uh, decisions being made by everybody voting on everything uh, and, and everybody collecting results from everyone. It's an N-squared protocol. Like classical protocols tend to be N-squared. Mm -hmm. And so Avalanche is not N-squared. It's, uh, it's lower than that. Not everybody talks to everybody else. And uh, it's really fascinating in the way it works. And uh, it has these nice properties that it scales really well, doesn't involve mining, it's completely green, and gives you very, very, very quick decisions. So, um, so I'm really excited about the possibilities around this. So one of the things that we're doing is we're building a new coin called Ava based on Avalanche. And uh, it innovates on multiple different fronts, um, not just at the consensus layer, but also on top. And um, we're beginning to see Avalanche being adopted by other groups, including uh, Bitcoin Cash and others. Yeah, I, so we, that's what I, we, we published a couple of, uh, of, um, of meditations on it uh, through Medium. And some of the Bitcoin Cash developers are uh, are are starting to really, if not outright embrace it, um, they're introducing it more into the dialogue. Um, how how important do you well, think that is? Go ahead. It's crucial, and there are two different ways uh, that Avalanche is finding its way into into proof of work coins. So uh, there there are a lot of people out there who essentially came into cryptocurrencies through Bitcoin, including myself, right? So uh, Me too. actually, that's not true. I, I was doing cryptocurrencies before Bitcoin too. But um, <laughs> there are lots of people who sort of fell in love with the idea and topic through proof of work. And so, so they like what proof of work gives them. They like the idea. It's like your first kiss. You, you can't forget your first kiss, <laughs> like, just like that. So, so, you know, people like what's in the paper, in the white paper, Satoshi's not white paper. So, so that's fine. Um, 
but uh, but that that system is 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 not able to give you quick confirmations. It doesn't scale all that well, and it's open to fifty one percent attacks. If you're not the top coin using your hash function, then you are open to attack. So it's Bitcoin interesting. Cash, we're, st we're starting to see that now. Now maybe ETC uh, Ethereum Classic is not the best example necessarily, but it is topical. And oh yeah, no, it's ahead. not just ETC. ETC just happened last week, but right. before before ETC, there was Bitcoin Private. If no, Bitcoin Gold, Bitcoin Gold, that ETC. was attacked. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, attacked, and um, and before Bitcoin Gold, there were many many minor coins that have been attacked, and uh, not to mention uh, you know Bitcoin uh, Satoshi Vision people, BSV folks, and they ended up attacking themselves by mistake. Um, so you know these kinds of things happen. These <laughs> coins are. Uh, are open to, uh, to you know, proof of work coins are open to 51% attacks. And you would like to be able to achieve uh, checkpoints, um, but you can't put anybody in charge of establishing the checkpoints because that leads to centralization and that's exactly what we're here to avoid. So Avalanche can be used in two different modes. One, to achieve decisions on transactions before they go into blocks. So that gives you quick confirmation. And another way, in which uh, they achieve, it achieves a decision or finality on uh, blocks that have been buried a little bit. Let's say, uh, you know, double confirmed blocks or triple confirmed blocks. And so mm -hmm. if you do the former, then you have very quick on-the-spot payments. If you do the latter, then you have automatically generated decentralized checkpoints, and it makes you immune to 51% attacks. So it's a pretty interesting system to combine Avalanche with, uh, with a proof-of-work system. Yeah, and, and I'm, again, I start see, I've started to see it, um, I think, prior to the 15 November fork, of, or I should say uh, upgrade, uh, for uh, Bitcoin Cash um, when it turned uh, contentious and then it, essentially the chain split. Um, now it seems like there's, there's a little bit more room to have that discussion, um, to talk about these issues uh, more candidly. Do you think, um, and again, we'll, we'll, I, I keep kind of going away and then coming back, and I promise we, we, will, we will return. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the, the, that maybe is the principal lesson of the, uh, the Bitcoin Cash uh, hard fork uh, this, uh, this last November that um, you know, we, we saw it kind of all come crashing down essentially? Like, like had, had there been an avalanche, I guess, sort of in place, maybe we were we'd be in a lot less danger of something like this happening um that's true and uh we learned a lot of things at the november fork um so let's try to gather our let me try to gather my thoughts on this so um it's it's really interesting what happened in november was was fascinating to me um and uh so do you want to talk about that i mean i can go into well, this and please please you know it, it, really anything you want to talk about, but uh, I, I know our guys would, would appreciate your thoughts on it for sure. Sure. Um, so what did we learn? So one of the first things I learned um, at, through that episode was the importance of being principled. So we saw, for example, that uh, a community that, that sort of gets, um, gets excited about unprincipled things uh, goes down and chases narratives that are not based on... Uh, on solid reasons behind them ends up, ends up being bamboozled often. And, uh, and so in this case, I could have told, in fact, I did tell all the right people, including Roger and Jihan and others, uh, about a year and a half ago that uh, the emergence of this particular con man on the scene was actually going to cause issues. And, uh, 
And instead, uh, you know, and people didn't really understand the, the severity of the situation. And if you elevate people uh, without checking their backgrounds properly, without ensuring that they are, you know, what they claim to be, etc. Uh, and if you make decisions, not based on science, but any other reason, then you find yourself, uh, I think, uh, taken over. And, uh, and in essence, um, to, to avoid being taken over, what you, you, the only recourse you have is to split. And we ended up seeing a big split in the Bitcoin Cash community. So that's yeah. one lesson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. No, and, and uh, I, think, uh, I think a lot of people on the, on the Bitcoin Cash side um, would uh, would definitely agree. Yeah, at least yeah, I think so. You know, maybe like, <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to think that you know I'm I'm pretty well embedded in that community. I care about Bitcoin Cash and uh, uh, and would like to see it succeed. Um, but uh, but indeed, uh, that was a, you know as a, as a community, we kind of uh, did something wrong and and we paid dearly for it. Uh, that was that was lesson number one. I think it's just some a topic that I can't leave unsaid if we are going to discuss this. No, I agree. Uh, the second issue, technically, um, I think what, uh, what we learned is um, having some kind of, uh, of uh, protection against replay attacks, not replay, uh, reorg attacks, uh, of which, you know, 51% attacks are yep. one kind. Um, it's essential, and Avalanche can definitely help there. And, uh, and I, I have spoken to both Bitcoin ABC and Bitcoin uh, uh, Unlimited folks uh, quite a few times about uh, about integration with Avalanche, and we are in fact at the moment seeing uh, actual implementations of Avalanche into the Bitcoin uh, Cash code bases, or at least some of them. And uh, and I think maybe the third lesson related to this is is what this is. I think the main thing that came out in the Bitcoin Cash community, and it's important to extract this as a lesson um, that the goal here is to make seamless, quick uncensorable transactions. It's to build a system that can be used. That's the goal. Everything else is secondary. What Satoshi said, as brilliant as he is, as awesome as he is, what, what's in the white paper, those are all great things, but that's not the goal. The goal is not to get stuck on any one, uh, any one written paper as if it's the word of God. The goal is not uh, any sort of accoutrements uh, that go along with, you know, whatever it is. It's not some superficial thing. It's to make a system work. That's the goal. And I think the Bitcoin Cash folks now get it. That, that's, that's what all the devs are now trying to do. And that's it's wonderful to see. So, uh, so and, as a result, we're making a lot of progress. Uh -huh. No, I was going to say, and, and on that point, um, your, uh, your embracing full-on of Avalanche has led you to, uh, to Blocks Route. And more recently, I saw that you guys are teaming up with, indeed, the, uh, the Bitcoin Unlimited folks, right? Yeah, so BlocksRoute has been uh, in the works for some time. It's actually been, uh, it, it, BlocksRoute came out of work that we did maybe two and a half, three years ago um, on, uh, on Bitcoin. Uh, back then, Bitcoin was united. There was only sing a single Bitcoin. And, um, and we decided to build a very, very fast relay network that uh, took transactions and blocks from whoever generated them and sent them to everybody else who was interested in them as quickly as possible. So um, these relay networks, there was only one at the time uh, run by Matt Corallo. And, um, and Matt seemed to be in the process of shutting it down. And so we jumped in and we looked at uh, the whole process critically and we came up with some ideas in which we could make it much, much, much faster than anyone else's. So we built this system called Falcon for relaying all these transactions and blocks. 
And uh, that became the seed of this new system called BloxRoute, or this new company called BloxRoute, for disseminating um, blocks and uh, transactions uh, in, uh, in, for cryptocurrencies, for other kinds of blockchain projects. So BloxRoute is a general purpose infrastructure that can work with any coin. Um, and uh, we specifically did it because the, the Bitcoin fork was coming up and we thought we needed some kind of a, uh, an infrastructure for the Bitcoin cash side of things as well as other coins. So um, it's been interesting. And during the fork, we saw that the types of things that uh, we pay attention to at BloxRoute are critical for a coin. So we saw Bitcoin um, Satoshi's vision, BSV, end up uh, attacking itself by mistake. We, they ended up doing a selfish mining attack against themselves. Right. Um, they ended up orphaning their own blocks. Uh, their blocks were taking on the order of 20 minutes to propagate. And it's, it, they were doing all sorts of things wrong and they, they badly need uh, much better uh, 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 relay technology. Um, so, so Bloxroute provides that in a, in a coin agnostic manner to any coin that, uh, that wants to use it. It's essentially, just think of it as Akamai, um, but, but for blocks and transactions, for, for cryptocurrencies. We, we take timely financial data from people who have it and we send it to people who, who demand to see it. And uh, it's been an exciting system. We're still in the process of uh, building at the moment. We are going to be doing uh, a securities coin um, associated with BloxRoute. And uh, we're really excited about the opportunity to work with uh, people who are interested, coin developers, uh, miners, and so forth. And what you're referring to is a recent announcement where we, we partnered up with one of the mining pools to, um, uh, to, to deploy BloxRoute with them. Very nice. And <clears throat> so uh, just to kind of uh, dove back a little bit uh, to, um, uh, to Avalanche uh, proper um, and the proof of stake idea, um, I've, I've been, you know, this is not controversial at all. I've, I've, I've watched uh, uh, Vitalik Buterin um, embrace proof of stake, at least rhetorically. Um, do, you, do you think that's just an inevitable, because I, I know you're, you're also very knowledgeable about the Ethereum um, side of, uh, of our ecosystem. Uh, do you think that's an inevitable, you know, uh, evolution, I guess, of, of, of Ethereum, especially with the, I guess their, their fork or their upgrade is happening this Thursday, right? So, yeah, they have a fork coming up. So, uh, let's see. So there are a couple of, of points to make here. So, um, it's very clear to me that the cryptocurrency space is going to move towards uh, proof of stake. There are lots and lots of amazing uh, features that proof of stake provides uh, over and on top of uh, proof of work. We might also see some hybrid solutions uh, where, as I mentioned, where you combine a protocol like Avalanche with, uh, with an existing coin. That's what um, I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so those are all good ideas as well. Uh, but we're going to, 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 to uh, start seeing coins explore this proof of stake space. So uh, Ethereum did something right, which was... Uh, from day one, they knew that someday they would switch over to proof of stake. And so they've been working towards this. And because they always committed to changing uh, to proof of stake, for the longest time, they did not have a mining cartel built around their coins. So it didn't really make sense to build specialized hardware for mining Ethereum, knowing right. that you know, the this, this switch to proof of stake was around the corner. Well, that corner kind of got moved into the future, right? So <laughs> they kept they kept uh, pushing it back and back and back because the science wasn't there for their switch. So they are currently trying to sort out the science and um, 
uh, and I'm not sure how close they are to a, a working solution. And, um, and I worry a little bit about the similarity between what they plan to do and what EOS does. So, um, but in any case, we'll see if they are able to deploy according to their own schedule and, and, and enact the switch that they, they really want to do. Um, in principle, I think that switch to, to a much more efficient uh, sort of a, a protocol that gives you quicker finality uh, is a great switch. But, okay, there are still lots of buts with proof of stake protocols. The, um, mm. There are lots of other things that Ethereum <laughs> needs to be working on. And uh, there are lots of issues with specifically with their switch to proof of stake. So, uh, Proof-of-stake protocols can actually suffer from centralization where people who have enough coins on day one always grow their coins you know, more and more and more and they, the rich get richer and the poor get left behind. Uh, that happens also with proof-of-work systems, but it happens even worse for proof-of-stake systems. Mm. So, uh, so they need to do something about that problem. Um, they, uh, their protocol doesn't really seem, uh, it, it doesn't seem incorrect to me at the moment, but doesn't really seem all that correct either. So it's, it's somewhere in the middle. Um, and, uh, and I have some, some worries about, uh, about their claims. So, um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they, they pan out. Agreed. Um, <clears throat> what an amazing time to be alive. What an amazing space to be working in. Um, I can't even. Isn't it? Isn't yeah, it so, yeah. so on occasion, I just sort of like wake up and I think, wow, you know, like, yeah, there are lots of stupid things happening in this space, you know, like Russia bans Bitcoin and then <laughs> unbans it and China does the same depending on whatever. God knows what's happening in India. So the regulators are doing crazy stuff. The SEC comes in and it, it slaps hard uh, the, the, the couple of coins that are doing obviously bad things, but somehow that has a ripple effect even on like, you know, it's crazy stuff happens all the time. Um, but if I take a step back and I think about where we are, we're in the middle of a total revolution. No, it's not even in the middle. We're at the beginning of a total revolution. And the revolution is, is really important. It's a step away from building client server systems to peer-to-peer -to -peer systems. So for the longest time, we built systems where I was a client and somebody with deep pockets provided services to me. Mm -hmm. And that somebody with deep pockets is Google, Netflix, Facebook, and so forth. And, and what do they do? They abuse their situation, right? So that's, that's in the nature of, of natural monopolies. They, they give you service. You're a poor pleb and you do your part. It's no different from the Middle Ages. And, uh, and the people in charge of these spigots, um, of, of these servers that, that provide you the services that you badly seek, um, then, then are in a position to do all kinds of evil. And, and even if their motto is don't do evil, they end up doing a little bit of evil at least, and then sometimes mm -hmm. great evil. Mm -hmm. so, um, so now we're beginning to figure out how to build systems that are truly decentralized, where there really is nobody who can misbehave, where you and I and people we have no idea about can collaboratively implement a service without having to trust one another. That's the, the big thing here. And that's what gets me going. So, you know, I think about, as I said, all these like small like setbacks and so forth. And on any given day, there's some crisis, you know, somebody getting attacked, uh, some, somebody saying silly things on, on whatever. And you know, there's like all sorts of issues going on. But at the, at, the, at the highest level, we are making progress towards a great, great future where uh, there is much less centralization in the hands of few, and there is much more of a role for regular people to play in the governance, in the implementation, 
of systems that they care about, starting with money, but going on to all sorts of other aspects of human life, including corporations run by smart contracts, including uh, all sorts of other things of, of human life. Wow. Uh, what a fantastic way to end. I was going to ask you uh, what your outlook was uh, for, the, for the space. So, uh, you just you just hit that out of the park. Um, I, I have. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm really bullish. So you know, I, I spend my time on uh, you know I, I I say negative things because people are doing wrong stuff technically, and I feel compelled to call it out. Like if I know what's wrong with it, I typically say, hey, you know, whatever is happening in this coin or there or whatever mm -hmm. is uh, has an issue. So so if I read my own tweet stream, it feels like well, you know, it's. <laughs> I could I could do the, the the you know brainless thing of just putting out you know positive crap, um, but that's that's really not <laughs> sort of that's not, other people are doing it much better than I am, and that's not really my role. But deep down, I'm a really really optimistic uh, person in this space. I believe this technology will transform how we build build companies, how we run business, how we run daily lives. So it's an extinction level event for certain incumbent companies. So, you know, fast forward 20 years, I don't really, uh, you know, I don't know why in, in insurance companies will, for example, continue to, to function the way they have been. I think it's really big for them. Mm. Uh, and and uh, there are many other areas of, uh, of uh, you know, in finance, actually, in sub-fields sub of finance where it's going to get disrupted by, uh, by these technologies. And, uh, uh, but going forward, it's, it's, it's an extinction level event for some, um, and it's an enormous opportunity for many others. I will see lots and lots of clever new companies come in to fill the gaps. Uh, we'll see much better technology uh, that will allow us to, to, to sleep better at night. And it, this is a little harder to convey, but this technology, unlike others, doesn't require trust. You and I or anybody else can just verify what has happened. And that, that gives people a level of assurance that they just don't have uh, with any other system. The, the way we build businesses right now, we, the way we regulate them is you have audits and this and that and, mm -hmm. you know, and the auditors only check for things that have gone wrong in the past and, you know, and there, there are a whole bunch of other uh, limitations of the entire process. Um, whereas with these technologies, anyone can essentially um, audit and verify the public record. And that, that allows people to sleep well at night. Um, and that changes one's relationship with things like one's government. You can hold your government accountable. We just haven't had this technology until now. And, and having it is, is just a game changer. It's just a different way of, uh, of living. You know where the money is going. You know where the land records are. You know, you know I can go on and on. And it's, it's, just, uh, it's just, I think, an enormous opportunity. It's just fantastic time to be living. Well, what, what a great way to end. <laughs> uh, I have taken way too much of your time. I told you 30 minutes, and uh, I, I pushed you way beyond that, and you've been super generous uh, to, to indulge me here. Um, uh, you have a, a blog um, that right off the top escapes me. Um, is it Hacking Distributed? Yeah, so people who are interested in what I have to say can come over to hackingdistributed.com. Um, we also have a Telegram channel for, uh, for Avalanche, and uh, yeah, it's Avacoin official. Okay, A-V-A-C-O-I-N underscore okay. official. So Avacoin underscore official, come over, to, let's, we can talk about Avalanche there. Um, and uh, what else is going on? Uh, or follow me on Twitter, I'm Elite Haxor, E-L-3-3-T-H-4-X-O-R. 
So uh, I'll, I'll link to all these in the in the show notes as well. So great, and feel free to edit me down. I I tend to just talk and talk. Uh, You're and, nuts. I'm not editing a word out. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really, I really. This has been a long time coming uh, for me personally. Um, great. I know everybody was was eager to kind of hear your thoughts on these issues. So it's nice to have it in in one place in recorded great. time here, kind of a document. So thanks so very much again uh, for coming on, uh, Professor Sierra. And uh, best of luck in the future. Thank you, Ed. Uh, Greatly enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks for having me.